Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Thank you for standing. Y'all sound good this morning. And you can be seated. If you have your Bibles, grab them. I, I can tell we're having a little bit of technical trouble this morning, so it's a bad day to forget your Bible. Hopefully you've got one close, and we can jump into the book of Proverbs. And uh, I'd like us to look into the book of Wisdom. Can everyone say Wisdom. Wisdom is, of course, the theme of the book of Proverbs, the overarching theme, and Proverbs is perhaps the oldest book of wisdom, not just in the Bible, but uh, really manuscript in the world, and so it's important that we look at it, and I felt the Lord pushing me in this direction. I, I just want to go ahead and help you breathe a little bit. We're not going to do... <laughs> We're not going to do Proverbs like we did Leviticus. I know Leviticus felt like the never-ending series, so don't, don't pass out or anything like that. In fact, uh, we may not stay with this from week to week. Uh, this might just be a book that I kind of jump in and out of throughout the year uh, because I want us to be growing in wisdom. I want to be growing in wisdom. Anybody feel that way? I want to grow in wisdom. And so the book of Proverbs is, is perhaps the, the best starting point for a Christian to begin thinking about wisdom. Are we back in business in the screen? So for all of you that didn't bring your Bible, you can breathe a little easier. And, uh, and we'll jump into Proverbs 1 and verse number 1. And we'll be looking at the first seven verses. And the very intro of Proverbs give us the definition and the purpose of a proverb. Can everyone say a proverb? A proverb. And so it kind of gives us a starting point to understand what is happening here. Now, Proverbs 1 and 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. Now, let me just pause, and, and I know this. Wow, that doesn't look very good on the screen there. It looks great on my paper, but on the screen it's a little terrifying. But if you can try to follow along, uh, let me show you what I've done here. Let's see if this will work. That will not work. We're having technical trouble all day long. But you see where, where the, the words look fuzzy there? Can anybody see that? Now, that looks horrific. I, I'm sorry about that. But when you see a word that's underlined, right next to it, you can see that I've put some, uh, some commentary there to help you understand what is meant by that word. We're looking here in the King James. So... To know wisdom, everyone said wisdom, and instruction. Everyone said instruction. Now, that word instruction means a lot of things, and, and sometimes if we just hear that word in the King James, we don't receive it the way it was intended. But that word in its root means discipline, restraint, and self-control. So to receive instruction so that we can have discipline, restraint, and self-control. By the way, that ought to be one of the hallmarks of every Christian. Discipline, restraint, and self-control. To perceive or understand the words of understanding or the words of wise teachers. You know, I've known many people who grew up underneath wise preaching and wise teaching, but they never became wise themselves. Why? Because they never 
received and perceived the words with understanding. And so it's important that we do more than just hear good teaching and hear wise preaching. We need to perceive it, receive it, understand it, and incorporate it in our lives. Just hearing something good doesn't make us good. Just hearing right things doesn't make us do right things unless we allow it to germinate in our lives and produce fruit in our lives. That's the purpose of wise teaching, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Anybody know what equity means that some of us kind of do? We've kind of incorporated it in financial terms now. But that word equity in its simplest form means fairness. How many understand that fairness is essential to the Christian life? Christians are to be fair, fair with others, fair in our dealings, fair in our business, fair in the way we treat people, fair in our justice. Fairness is an essential hallmark of the Christian life. Verse 4, to give subtlety. Anybody know what subtlety means? It means subtlety, wisdom and discretion to the simple. Now, when we hear that word simple, sometimes we, we think that it means someone who's just uh, maybe a, a couple fries short of a Happy Meal or something like that, but that isn't what that word means. That word simple means silly or foolish people, people who are foolish in their thinking. They're silly in their actions. And so to give subtility to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion or insight. Discretion simply means that you can see things that other people can't see. You can understand things that other people don't understand. By the word, that by the way, that word young man, everyone said young man. Sometimes I think in uh, Western culture when we say young man, what do you think of? You think of maybe a, oh, 18, 19, 22, at least I do. I think of someone who's maybe a, uh, a young adult. But if you look at the root word uh, in, this, in this text, it's actually talking about people who are from about 8 years old to about 15 years old. So we're really talking about adolescence. And so the idea here is that children can grow in wisdom. Amen. Children can grow in wisdom. That's why the Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Because children, uh, and I think sometimes uh, we have this idea that children are just going to be children and teenagers are just going to be teenagers and there's nothing anybody can do about it. That's not true. The Word of God can change a child's heart. The Word of God can change a teenager's heart. And I think that elders and adults, we should be teaching children. You don't have to be a prodigal. If you are a prodigal, you can come home, but you don't have to leave home. You can stay in the Father's house. You can, you can grow in grace and knowledge and strength and anointing. Just consider young David. Uh, David, in fact, sometimes we're hard on teenagers, but David didn't mess up till he was an older man. He had it going pretty good until he got older, and then he threw it away. Thank God he repented. And, and came back to God, but he had a whole lot of heartache he had to go through because of his sin. A lot of people lose out with God when they're older. And, uh, and so young people can grow and learn in knowledge and understanding. And that's very, very important for us to believe that and to know that. Verse 5, 
A wise man will hear or he'll listen carefully. We've already kind of talked about the difference between just hearing something, but did you know there's a difference between hearing something and listening carefully? You ever heard that expression, in one ear and out the other? Uh, that's that's kind of how we do sometimes. I know I'm guilty of it. My daughter was talking to me the other day, and I heard everything that she was saying. I could hear the words, but I wasn't thinking about what she was saying. And before you know it, she's running over to the candy drawer and got a handful of candy. And I said, sweetheart, what are you doing? You can't have that candy. And she, and she said, daddy, I just spent five minutes telling you how I'm going to go to the candy drawer and get some candy. And you nodded your head yes the whole time. Why? Because I was hearing, but I wasn't listening carefully. And if we're not careful, we do that with with wise teaching. We do it with instruction. We do it with things of wisdom. We do it with preaching. We hear it, but we're not listening carefully. And so we're not, we're not incorporating it into our lives because we're not really paying attention. And so a wise man will listen carefully. He'll hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain. Everyone said attain. That word attain means that he will acquire or he will look for. He will seek unto wise counsels. You ought to be looking for wise counsel. You should be asking for wise counsel. Uh, you should be attaining wise counsel at every opportunity that you can. And no matter how wise you become, you never get to a place where you don't need the wisdom of someone else, particularly for a young man, you need the wisdom of an elder. And elders, we need the wisdom of our peers and those around us because wisdom is something that we never have fully for ourselves. We need it from God, we need it from others, and we need to be seeking it. Verse six, to understand a proverb. Now here we have the definition of a proverb, a figure of speech, a short saying, truth obscurely expressed, a parable, or an enigma, something, uh, something that is true, but perhaps it's not spoken plainly. Uh, some, sometimes it just means that it's very short. And one of the things I love about the book of Proverbs, by the way, is that most of the verses are very short. When I was a Bible quizzer many years ago, we would memorize whole books of the Bible. And I loved learning the book of Proverbs because uh, they're so short that you can learn a verse pretty quick. You get into books like Acts and and you get into Corinthians, and you get into Romans, and you have these verses that are this long, and you're trying, one verse takes you three days to memorize. But a proverb is usually a short saying, and I love that about it because you can get it quickly. And uh, if you don't know this about me, I'm, I'm kind of impatient, and so I like it when people get to the point, and, uh, and Proverbs does that. So we have to hear the definition of a proverb, and the interpretation, the words of the wise, and they're dark sayings. Everyone said dark sayings. Now, we're not talking about witchcraft here, okay? Dark sayings. I, I had someone tell me one time, uh, the Bible uh, is, is favorable towards witchcraft because the book of Proverbs promotes dark sayings. That's not a, we're not talking about dark magic or something like that. That word uh, literally means riddles that require reflection. In other words, it's something that you have to when you hear it, you have to think about it for a while, and you have, to, you have to put your mind to it before you fully understand it. Verse 7, the fear, 
Anybody know what fear means when it's mentioned in the Bible in relationship to God? It actually means reverence. Everyone said reverence. The fear or the reverence of the Lord, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome, is the beginning. It's the first and most important part of knowledge. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So a fool is disrespectful towards wisdom. He dislikes wisdom. When he hears wisdom, he doesn't enjoy it. When he meets wise people, he doesn't enjoy their company. And he dislikes the instruction that comes from that. He hates discipline, correction. He doesn't like warnings, and he doesn't like teaching of any kind. But a wise man wants all of those things in his life. How many want all of those things in your life? And so I'll take you to the next slide. And we're going to look at a a few quick takeaways from the first seven verses of Proverbs. Number one, Solomon is the primary writer of the book of Proverbs. Number two, the purpose of a proverb is to impart wisdom and therefore self-discipline. Can you say self-discipline? Now, I know we don't like that word that kind of makes us think about dieting and things like that, but but self-discipline is a vital part of the Christian walk. And a proverb challenges the reader or the hearer to think carefully about what is being said. And we know, of course, that Jesus used, uh, in many ways, proverbs or parables to teach. If you ever read the Gospels, you'll notice that Jesus often said things that were difficult to understand. How many enjoy reading the parables of Jesus? But when you read them, you really do have to stop and think about them. In fact, uh, we looked at it this past Wednesday night, but there were some times when Jesus would give a parable or he would give a proverb and his disciples would come back to him privately. And when they got him alone, they kind of scratched their head and say, Jesus, what in the world were you talking about? We don't, we don't understand. And Jesus would sit and he would explain it further to his disciples because he was speaking in ways that if you weren't listening carefully, if you weren't paying attention, and you might ask yourself, why would Jesus do that? I think there's several reasons. But number one, if you don't care enough to think about it and dig down deep into it, and also it draws you closer to Jesus. Think about the relationship that it built with the disciples when Jesus would teach, and then they would come to him, and and they would talk to him. And, uh, and I want to draw closer to Jesus. Sometimes when you're reading the Word, you ever read the Bible and you just kind of scratch your head? I know we don't like to talk that way because we typically advertise the Bible as being the simplest book in the world. Even a child can understand every single word of it. And I know why we do that. We do it because we want children to read the Bible. And, and many parts of the Bible are simple to understand. But let's just be honest. Every single one of us here has read verses and scratched your head and said, I don't know what in the world just happened there. Maybe I'm the only human being here. Every, maybe you all have IQs through the roof. But, but we all have had those experiences. And God draws us through his word to say, I want you to dig into my word because it's finer than silver or gold. And so that means that sometimes we have to put a little, little elbow grease in our study time. You know, the elders, Bishop, used to understand. I used to hear Brother Urshan say all the time that, that if you don't realize the value of mining for mining for illumination. What he meant was 
Sometimes you have to be like a treasure seeker. You have to get in like, like a miner used to do, and you have to dig in and look for those gems in the word of God. And, and let me tell you, there's almost nothing more exciting or rewarding spiritually than when you are studying and you're exercising your mind and you're praying and you're fasting and you're seeking the face of God and you're saying, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, reveal this to me. Explain this to me, Lord. Did you know the word is alive? The word is alive. And so as you begin to interact with the word of God, the Holy Ghost will begin to move upon you. Oh, hallelujah. I feel it right now. And, and when God begins to speak to you while you're reading the word, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And so we need to be willing to mine into the Proverbs, to dig into the parables and the things that are difficult to understand. Thirdly, foolish people don't have to stay foolish. <laughs> Someone say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> foolish people do not have to stay foolish. It's not once foolish, always foolish. Uh, it's not once silly, always silly. Foolish people can become wise. That is, by the way, one of the great lessons of the book of Proverbs is that we can all become wise if we simple, simply humble ourselves to the word of God and if they will listen and learn. The problem with foolish people is they usually don't realize they're foolish in the first place. And that's usually what gets people in trouble. And, and what that really is, let me break that down for you into the root. You know, most sins, most problems have a, a root sin. What I mean by that is that most of the time, the sin that you see is a manifestation of a deeper sin that you don't see. Everybody still with me? Just like the fruit of the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, what does that come from? That comes from something greater. That comes from being filled with the Holy Ghost. And so love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, goodness, all of those things are a result, a manifestation of someone who is walking in the Spirit and not after the flesh. It's a result of God filling you with his spirit, imparting his righteousness to you. But on the flip side of that, with sin, if you see someone who is angry, or if you see someone who is mean, or if you see someone who is foolish or unwise, and specifically with foolishness, the root of that is usually pride. They think they know everything. They know better than God. They know better than God's word. They know better than every wise man. They know better than every teacher they've ever had in their life. They know better than any preacher they've ever heard preach. It's pride. And pride is one of the great primary sins that everybody ought to be guarding themselves against. Pride is one of the most deadly sins that you can allow into your life. And so we have to guard against pride because pride produces foolishness in our lives. It makes us think we don't need anybody to tell us anything. It's a very dangerous, dangerous place to be. All right. Number four, wise people seek instruction. They welcome correction. Everyone said correction. That doesn't sound like something that most people want to say, but wise people welcome it when they are corrected. 
By the way, if I'm doing something wrong, I want to know that I'm doing it wrong. That's what wisdom says. Wisdom says, I don't want to keep doing something wrong. If I'm not doing it right, I want someone to tell me I'm not doing it right. Foolishness says, you better not tell me I'm not doing that right. Ain't nobody going to tell me I'm doing that wrong. That's what foolishness always says. But wisdom is the opposite. Wise people admit they don't know everything. They listen carefully and think carefully about what they have been taught. Foolish people do the exact opposite. And finally, fear or reverence for the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we talk about fearing the Lord or reverencing the Lord, we're really talking about respect. We're talking about trusting the Lord. That's, by the way, why I come into the house of God with reverence and respect in my demeanor, in my dress, in my conduct, in the way I, in the way I carry myself, because I have reverence. I have respect for the house of God. I have respect for the presence of God. I take the things of God seriously. I, I think about the things of God. I meditate on his word day and night. That's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be reverencing the things of God. All right, we'll go to the next slide. And I'd like us to talk about the, the difference between wisdom and smarts or the difference between wisdom and knowledge. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek there. And let me just read this for you pretty quickly here. I'm running out of time. Wisdom and knowledge both are reoccurring themes in the Bible, and they're related, but they're not some synonymous. The dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. Knowledge, on the other hand, is information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance. Knowledge can exist without wisdom, but not the other way around. In other words, you can have knowledge and be unwise, but you can't be wise without knowledge. Everybody still with me? Everybody okay? And, and let me just say this. Have you ever met someone who was very, very smart, but they were dumb as a box of rocks? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met someone who had it? I mean, their IQ was just through the roof. I mean, they could talk to you about trigonometry. They could talk to you about geometry. They could, I mean, they could just explain all kinds of things, but they had no common sense at all. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Guys, I think we're losing this microphone here. We might need to, we might need to change the mic out. So you ever met somebody like that before? And, and when that happens, uh, you know that what's happening is you're meeting someone who has knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. And they're very, very different things. So uh, we need to be seeking not only knowledge. To seek knowledge is a good thing, but seeking wisdom is the more important thing. So one can be knowledgeable without being wise. For example, knowledge is knowing how to use a gun. Wisdom is knowing when to use it and when not to use it. Everybody get the difference? There's a distinction there, and it's very, very important. Knowledge is what is gathered over time through study of scriptures. It can be said that wisdom, in turn, acts properly upon that knowledge. Wisdom is the fitting application of knowledge. Knowledge understands the light has turned red. Wisdom applies the brakes. And we've all been foolish in that area, haven't we? Knowledge knows what the speed limit is. Wisdom obeys the speed limit. Hey, man, knowledge is knowing 
that if I eat the whole gallon of ice cream, I'm going to regret it later. Wisdom goes ahead and says, I'm not going to eat the whole gallon of ice cream. If you're foolish like me, you just eat half of it and you still regret it later. Knowledge sees the quicksand. Wisdom walks around it. Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments. Wisdom obeys them. Knowledge learns of God. Wisdom loves God. Anybody love the Lord today? We ought to lift up our hands and just praise him for a minute. Can we do that? Lord, I love you. I worship you, Jesus. I magnify you, God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. We'll go to the next slide, and I'd like us to look at the benefits. Everyone said the benefits. By the way, God has the, the best benefit package. Serving the Lord comes with the greatest benefit package in the world. Uh, no, one, no one can bless you like God can bless you. And so what I'm doing is I'm giving you bullet points from Proverbs 2, 1 through 22. I've lifted some things, and I'm going to give them to you quickly here. Number one, finding wisdom and understanding is better than finding treasure. It brings deeper knowledge and relationship with God. Wisdom draws you closer to God. Wisdom brings you into deeper relationship with God. God is a shield to those who walk with integrity. God guards the paths of the just. God protects those who are faithful to him. How many could testify that God has protected you in, in time of need? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I know that this is anecdotal, and uh, you know, but, but I feel like the Lord had his hand on me. I was driving from a, a revival service in McDonough uh, just a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was late at night. It was about midnight, and I had my kids in the back seat, and I was driving. I'd come up through the, uh, the circle there, and, uh, and I was coming up Jonesboro Road, and, and all of a sudden, uh, and I was going the speed limit. And all of a sudden, I saw these, this white flash in front of my car. I mean, it was, it was going quick. And it, it took me a second because it was dark and my eyes couldn't quite adjust. And I realized it was the, the, one of the biggest deers I've ever seen in my entire life. And so I, I slammed on my brakes and, and, you know, I couldn't. It was raining. And so my car kept going. And I thought, oh, I missed him. And just as he went by... I could see the flash, and seven other deer were coming right behind him. And, and for a, about an instant there, I thought, I'm going to hit six or seven deer at the same time. There isn't going to be anything left of this car when this all gets over. And so I don't know how it worked. I don't understand, but I'm slamming on the brakes. I'm swerving. My kids are screaming in the back seat, and I'm going, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I, I know this is probably irresponsible, but I closed my eyes. <laughs> I closed my eyes and I just hung on for dear life. And when I looked at, listen, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, those deer were that far from my bumper. And one was over there coming this way. Three or four of them were in front of me. I don't know how it's humanly possible that, uh, that I missed those things. But somehow, I, when I said in Jesus' name, I looked up and they were completely gone. And so I thank the Lord for his protection. God will protect you. That might be a small thing. That might be a silly thing. Maybe that seems like no big deal. But I'm thankful for every small blessing that God gives us. I'm appreciative of it. So wisdom and knowledge bring peace and joy. Wisdom pushes fear out and brings inward assurance, confidence, and peace. Have you ever noticed that truly wise people 
have a confidence about them. They have a, a self-assuredness about them. That's what wisdom brings. If you will go in the right direction, you will be respected as honest, fair, and just. Wisdom brings respect into your life. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Wisdom will save you from evil people and give you the ability to know when you are being lied to. By the way, that's very important. How many would like to know when you're being lied to? Wisdom will do that. Wisdom will give you the ability to see through. Uh, we used to say it this way. Maybe I'll get in trouble, but to see through the baloney. Anybody ever heard that expression? Wisdom will help you to see through all of that. And, and you, can, you can have the understanding that, no, that's not what it seems to be. And when you have that ability, it's, it's truly helpful in your life. Wisdom will save you from seductive women. Amen? And men. Uh, Proverbs talks about how it'll, it'll save you from the words of seductive women. And, of course, we can also interpret that to mean it, it can save a woman from the words of a seductive man that will destroy your life and pull you into things of shame and sin. Wisdom will keep you from that. You'll be able to recognize this is foolishness. I need to stay away from it. I've got to get away from this. And that's one of the great benefits of wisdom. All right, let me take you to uh, the final verse here, and I'll close with this, Proverbs 3 and 5. Could we stand and we'll read this together? Wisdom trusts the Lord more than self. Proverbs 3, 5. Could we read just verse 5 together? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. How many are thankful that he'll direct your paths today? Can we lift our hands and just love the Lord right now? God, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you for your touch. We thank you for your goodness. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 God bless you.